Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. There's been a lot of tension and spirituality in, in our body lately. And uh, it's, it's one thing that I found. You cannot have all of the gifts of the inheritance of God without resistance. You can't have them. Uh, breakthrough is the only thing that will bring all God has created you to be. You can't have it any other way. So breakthrough is a very good thing. But if you don't know how to handle it, it can be a very touchy thing. Right. Amen. You can get offensive, you can get unsettled, you can get restless, you can begin to get angry, you can begin to get disappointed. The, the, the persecution and resistance of the enemy that is darkness, if it's not handled correctly, can create more problems than what God intended it to create great things. Amen? So before I get into all that, I got something I need to share with y'all. This is not theologically correct, so y'all give me some grace, okay? It's just a joke. <laughs> the day after the rapture, all men and women that had made heaven were standing before God in heaven. And he said, I need all men that were the head of their home and ruled their home well to stand in this line. I need all who were dominated by their wife, failed at being head of their house, to stand in this line. They begin to make their ways into separate lines. And then he said, all right, you ladies, I need you to go with St. Peter to the next room. So all the ladies exited to the right of heaven. And then God commenced to telling the line that had failed to rule their home how disappointed he was. I created you for more. I would given you power and authority to do better. And then after a little bit of hazing for that other line, he looked over and there was one man in the line that had ruled his home well. And he looked at that man he said, I'm proud of you, son. He said, I need you to tell all these millions of men how you did it. He said, uh, my wife told me to stand in this line. Uh, and every man said, amen. So uh, I had a message coming into this morning, and uh, right in the middle of worship, as good as God is, he's, he changed it. So we're going to go in a different direction than what I originally thought, but I think it's all going to tie together anyway. But uh, get your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, leave love and character up there for me, Josh. Uh, Josh is one of the most phenomenal and creative men I've ever met on the planet. As you can tell, he makes this stuff all the time. But him and his excellence texted me and asked me for the scriptures. But when God changed it about seven minutes ago, they're not going to be the same. <laughs> so, 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to go verses 6 through 11. Amen? But before we read that, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to be in your house. Holy Spirit, let me be a mouthpiece this morning. You're taking us in to the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom. You're doing something in this place through resistance and through trials and different tribulations. You're doing something to your people. You're building a character that can, can, can carry and sustain the glory of God. So God, make us humble us today that we can present our lives as an offering for you to begin to develop in us everything you want to fully express the love of God. We submit to that today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to go 6 through 11. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Uh, before I move on, I want you to understand what he's saying here. Submit. Yeah. Submit. 
if you want to be a carrier of the presence of God. Uh, I feel like a lot of times we have good principles. Principles are I read the Word of God, I understand the character of God, but sometimes out of wanting so badly to live by the principles of God, we forget that we're created to be current with the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is we're created for continual communion that produces the presence of God on our behalf. He wants us to be carriers of the presence of God, not just a people that understand His principles. So, Therefore, humble yourself, submit under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care. Everybody say all. All. all every one of them. Every care you could possibly have, I need you to give it to me. Because you need to understand this before we go into the rest of these scriptures. You cannot live in the fullness of the rest of the scriptures we're about to dive into unless you do this first. Because you cannot, in the midst of resistance and different things you're going through, be developed into the character of God if you carry all your cares through the process. It, 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 it voids the entire process we're about to talk about if you do not learn how to give your cares to God. And I mean not that you pray about your cares and then get up, leave, and worry about them. Have anxiety about them. That means you didn't cast anything off. You said a prayer that was actually a complaint and therefore didn't get to live in the freedom and peace that God wants to bring to you when you surrender. Okay? It's a principle. We have the principle of prayer down and talking to God, but we don't have the presence that says, I can actually leave this with you. I can actually leave this and exuberate the goodness of God and his attributes and not worry, fear, and anxiety over what I just prayed about. We've got to get to relationship, not principles. Principles are what we live from. Holy Spirit never governs us outside of principles. But principles are not the governing factor of our lives. It's the Holy Spirit. Because he said, I am going to give you the Holy Spirit and he'll reveal all truth. In other words, you're going to know things through this word of God, but the Holy Spirit is going to develop them and release them in your life. Just knowing the principles is not going to be enough. Casting all your care upon him. Say it one more time. All. All. Every one of them. For he cares for you. Somebody needs to realize that God actually cares about you. He's not just wanting to use you as a tool. He legitimately cares about your marriage. He cares about your children. He cares about your finance. He cares about everything that contains you. Everything you are. He cares for you. If you understand this, then the first part is simple. It's easy to cast your cares upon someone who fully cares for you. My wife knows that if she goes through anything, she doesn't have to wait. She doesn't have to tarry. She can immediately come to me as her husband and cast those things upon me. And then we take them on together. It doesn't mean God pushes us out of the way and relieves us of our responsibility. It means then we become co-laborers. It means that all of a sudden I'm shifting the weight of the burden to God, but then we handle it together. That's what a true co-laborer is. A co-laborer isn't I carry my burdens, I live in anxiety and worry, and I justify that I'm walking with God. No, if you walk with God, you'll have fruit that is peace, joy, and love in the Holy Spirit. These are the fruits. These are the attributes of being a son or daughter of God. So we have to make sure that we're co-laboring with God. There's a difference between you laboring and hope God intervenes and co-laboring with God. We have to be co-laborers. Now let's look at verse 8 here. We're good. Man, this is going to get good. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be active. Be aware. 
Be present. Be fully aware that you have an adversary. Be, no, this, Christianity is not a nonchalant social status. It is something you carry and you're vigilant about. You're aware. You're in presence. You're in prayer. You're seeking God that you may be aware of the darkness that wants to destroy your destiny. There's an awareness you have to live with. And you may say, well, I, I mean, I'm not experiencing all the things. If you're not living in the supernatural... If you are not seeing the hand of God shift things in your life supernaturally, if you're a victim to darkness, then you need to hear what I'm saying. Every son and daughter of God was created to live in the supernatural. I know everybody says, well, do you ever preach and not talk about healing? It's a necessity, so chill out. It's a necessity. <laughs> I talk about other things too. But there's a necessity that God, Jesus said, I don't even want you to believe me if the works don't follow me. There's too many of us that just have a normal Christian life with no supernatural power. Everything about the love of God is powerful. Love is not a submissive thing. Love is a powerful thing. But love is always justified in staying in love. Okay. Love is always in love. Love does not make you act outside of love. True love has all the attributes of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to know if your posture is truly in love, check in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Are you rude? Are you kind? Are you loving? Are you long-suffering? Is your love, what you're actually doing for God, rooted in His actual identity, which is love? God doesn't do anything outside of it. But love is not weak. Love is powerful when it stays in love, when it's true love. That's ahead of myself, but let's stay here. Be sober. Be vigilant. This is such a necessity. I feel like Christianity become, becomes a fog. It's a social status that I'm not very clear about anything I'm doing in my life. I'm, I, it's just happening. Life's just happening. And, and I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm hoping it's happening with God. Does that make sense? Like God is all intertwined in it, but life is just happening to me. There's not much clarity because we've become so unattentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's a necessity to be aware of the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk out Christianity without a full awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing. I preached a message in Texas at a revival the other day, and it was talking about uh, the, the gift of friendship with God. Becoming a friend over a slave. Friends know what the master's doing. We've lived too long not knowing what God's doing. We read the Bible, but we don't know what Holy Spirit is doing currently. Does that make sense? That there has to be a currentness with Holy Spirit, if that's a word. There has to be a present with Him now to understand. If you right now could ask yourself in your personal time, are you seeking the will of God and you don't know what it is? Are you seeking things that you just have no clarity what God is saying? Then there has to be a stepping back, a stepping into a deeper intimacy and realizing it's not okay if you don't know. But listen to me, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to be patient. We'll pray for a week and then we'll back out. We'll pray for a month, we'll back out. We'll pray for a year, back out. You wait, you tarry, you wait for your promises. This is all good. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Has absolutely no power to devour you. 
<laughs> Somebody needs to know that. Has no ability to devour you. Has no ability to stop your destiny. Has zero ability to affect what God called you to do. None. He has no authority over you. He has no authority to make you angry. He has no authority to make you sad. He has no authority to make you depressed. Are you hearing me? All these things that we've submitted to, feelings that we've submitted to, he has no authority to pull you into those things. He said he's seeking whom he may devour. He's just looking for somebody to leave a door open. He's just looking for Christians that are not vigilant in their prayer. He's looking for Christians that are not vigilant about their walk and their status with God. There, there, there has to be an intensity about serving God. I, I mean that word. I, I, I like that word. Intensity. There has to be an intensity about your nature of serving God. You have to have some resilience about you. You have to have some determination about you. If you want to live in a supernatural culture, and I'm not talking about just as a body, we're living in a supernatural culture here, but your own personal culture, your interior culture, if you want to live in the supernatural, you're going to have to get some resolve about you. I love what we've been in, but I just want to take it even a, a little bit different direction. I, I, you got to be so vigilant, or you will be a victim. The only thing that separates me from somebody who's not seeing the sick healed is I have resolve. Because I have failures just like you. I have disappointments just like you. I've had flat-out failure, just like you. But let's look at what the difference is. Resist him steadfast. What did he say in James chapter 1? He said, a double-minded man is unstable. Steadfast right here means stable. First James chapter 1, James chapter 1, he said, a double-minded man. Does he, does he really heal? My marriage is pretty far gone. Does he really heal marriage? Is he really the redeemer? Can, I mean, like, man, I mean, I've lost every job up to this point. I've never been able to maintain a job. What makes this job any different? Why should I even put the application in? Why should I even try? What makes any, a double-minded man? unconvinced of the truth of God, somebody that wavers in what you believe, how you think, because your belief system influences how you think. And there's going to have to be a resiliency in your mind that says, I will not leave this way of thinking because he said, resist him steadfast. You need to understand, many of us are victims to something God didn't allow to happen, but you allowed to happen because you're double-minded. That's not, a, that's not a place to be guilty or in shame or in condemnation. It's a place of realization that says, I haven't been as vigilant as I need to be. I haven't been aware as I need to be. Success breeds contentment. That's why I love opposition, but we have to understand we can be successful in failure, but sometimes we fail in success. Because success breeds contentment that I back off of my vigilance for success. So then, therefore, Satan kicks the door open and brings in depression, lies. He brings in all these things that begin to strip us of any power in what we do. So we're a people that declare we have love, but we have no power to intervene for anyone. Because Christ's love for us restored all, healed all, made new, mind, body, and soul. We have love, but no power in our love, so our love is just fickle. 
means nothing. It can't save the world. It can't change the world. It can't affect people that are hurting. Because we've slacked off of our vigilance. You know what's crazy is? His vigilance doesn't help me. His vigilance, his vigilance, her vigilance doesn't do anything for me. I have my own process. I have my own giants that I am called to kill. But if I don't have my own resolve and my own vigilance, then I will be victim to a destiny I was created to live in dominion. In verse Corinthians, I mean, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he tells us what the original design was. He said, let's make them in our image and in according to our likeness, and then let's give them dominion. You are meant to rule reign on this planet. If darkness is ruling over your family, you understand that I have become unvigilant. I've, I've backed off of what I was created to be. Power and authority is only released through continual communion. I believe God in his grace and mercy will sometimes release miracles to us to give us a taste of our real destiny. But for you to live a consistent supernatural life that affects the works of darkness, you have to be vigilant, you have to have resolve, and you have to consistently communion with God. Resist him steadfast. This is stable in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings you're going through right now are being taken on by the brotherhood all over the planet. You are not alone. If he tries to isolate you, say, liar, because you're not alone. There's people all over this planet that are being burned at the stake, being, being tortured for their faith. You are not going through anything no one else is going through. You are not alone. You're not alone. Don't isolate yourself and believe you're the only one that's having trouble studying. Don't believe you're the only one having trouble with prayer. Don't believe this, but have faith that you have a family of God that you may not see every day, but there's a planet full of believers that are persecuted but pushing through. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace who called us you didn't get this desire from yourself. God gave you the desire to live in the fullness. Yeah. It's by the God of grace that you even have the desire. So understand, if it would be a te our God's not a teaser. He, he's, not, he's not a thief. His characteristics don't match up Satan's. Steal, kill, and destroy. God doesn't want to give you a taste of it and then take it from you. Like, I want you to be hungry for the supernatural, but I'm not going to let you have it. He's not that kind of father. How bad would that be if you go to the ice cream store and be like, oh, yeah, you can sample it. Oh, yeah. Butter pecan. That's what's up. Give you the spoon. Your dad hands it to you. And then, Dad, can I have a scoop? No. Nope. Never coming back. See what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's funny because we actually think that way. I can taste the goodness of God, but I can't have the fullness of God because my God is a tease. God's not a tease. He just needs a people with character that can carry the supernatural. But did you know that resistance is the only thing that builds your character? Then you wouldn't be so disappointed with it. I, I'm starting to have more fun in the opposition than I was when it was quiet. Because for some reason, it's producing something in me that Satan fears. It's revealing my true identity. All of a sudden, Jesus begins to shine through because I'll tell you one thing, persecution and resistance is really good about destroying you. Yeah. You need it, though. 
You need it. If you got too much you in the way, you ought to start praying. God, bring some resistance because I'm prideful. I'm full of myself. I'm selfish, and I want to see the kingdom. So come get this junk out the way. He may do it, do it through some marriage junk. He may do it through a hole in your roof. He may do it through what you just don't expect, but I need it. Because for some reason, it's doing something in me because I'm more hungry for the supernatural than I am for my comfort. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ. Check this out. After you've suffered a while, <laughs> if you believe God's a tease, you'll freak out in the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good you'll freak out you'll just panic he may give you a taste today but he wants to bring you back later and get two scoops <laughs> now I'm thinking about butter pecan I'm totally distracted I know what I'm doing after this but it's funny because if we believe things about God that are not true then we'll never live in expectation and the suffering will oppress us and depress us I, I'm, I'm looking at it in a whole new light because I have found out more about God in the uh, opposition and resistance than I ever did in the quiet days. And for some reason now, I'm starting to find more worship in the resistance than I am when nothing's there. Because all of a sudden, I, I'm enjoying worship more because I've got a reason to. Some of us can spend the rest of our life, and it'll be really easy to sing a worship song because we've never done anything that would bring on resistance in our life. We're just stale, and we're insecure, and we're not actually pursuing anything of supernatural effect that could affect anyone else. Can I tell you, if you're just self-contained to your whole self and all about you and doing nothing for anyone else, I imagine Satan's not going to bring a whole lot of resistance. At moments, he may see you weak and try to steal, kill, and destroy, put you in depression. His totality desire is to destroy your destiny. But can I tell you, when you fire up for God and you begin to move forward and build the kingdom, not your own kingdom, there will be resistance. But resistance is the fact you're in the right direction and it's building your muscles so that you can actually accomplish what you really want to do. You've got to have the strength to do it. And you only get it in resistance. And it's beautiful because then all of a sudden you're, uh, uh, <laughs> after you've suffered a while, I love, it's funny because it's kind of like we get all like uh, worried about suffering and God's kind of like, after you suffer a while, not a big deal. After you suffer a while, I'm, 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 I'm molding you into the image of Jesus. So I'm going to let this work. But we panic. We panic. We get in total turmoil. And then we take on the characteristics of Satan because we think God is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. If we're honest, we think that that's what God's doing. He's taking something from me. He's destroying my destiny. No, he's not. He's trying to get the grip of Satan off your life. So that you can actually know him as Abba. It's the only, it's only time God becomes personal. But may God of all grace who called us to his ex eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while. Check this out. Perfect. I want everybody to write this down if you're taking notes. Perfect. Establish. Strengthen. And settle you. Something that's good to be settled. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just good. I just, ah, some peace here. Total, total turmoil, but I'm settled. Like, what happens when all of a sudden you get settled in your spirit? Like, you're not in constant turmoil. Is God real? Is God not real? Does he heal? Does he not heal? What, what happens when all of a sudden you get settled? Like, you just get, you just settled in. Just, like, settle in. I remember when we were in high school, me and Josh played basketball together for, like, ever. 
And then it was funny because we played on a little private school team. We had five, no, six people. We had one sub, and we just donated them in case one of us broke a leg. Like, so five of us just played all the time practically. And it was funny because we would show up to big old like 3A high school uh, public school tournaments, and like they would just look at us like, yeah, we're about to just, this is about to be bad. We're going to whip these guys, get them out early, and we'd go win it. We, just, we would beat the brakes off of people. But it was funny because uh, when, when you would get in the fourth quarter, I loved the fourth quarter, and I loved it when it was close, but I liked the two-minute mark because the two-minute mark brought an urgency to you. And it's funny because it was, you could watch guys on the court and see who was going to break down and who was going to hone in. It's funny because when you seen the guys, you could see it in their eyes when they were actually going to break down. When the pressure of the two-minute mark and the opposition of needing to finish this thing out, when you could see it in their eyes that they weren't confident, you would pick them out and go to that man. Whoever they were guarding, you would go to that person because you knew they couldn't handle the pressure of a two-minute mark. But see, the thing was, those that championed and won tournaments were those that at two minutes they honed in. They knew their potential and what they had found out about themselves. It's time for you to learn about yourself, not by what your husband says, what your wife says, what your boss says, but about sitting in the presence of God and learning who he says you are because there's going to be a two-minute mark. There's going to be a moment when you are in total opposition, and if you do not rise to the occasion, you will see those things stripped from your destiny. But when you really you realize who you are, uh, pressure doesn't do anything against you. It just brings out the best in you. But they were my favorite. Because then they realized who we were in two minutes. Five men showing up, but we knew what we could do. We were fully aware. And in those two minutes, it didn't take us out of what we knew about ourselves, we just honed in harder. But it's funny because the world doesn't even know who you are. Because when the pressure gets amped up, you begin to lose sight. You begin to fickle and get worried. Because can I tell you, you only learn who you are in the intimate place. You only learned who you are when you're down by two minutes and you're down by 30. You learn who you really are when you go into the fourth quarter down by 45. You learn who you really are when the odds are totally stacked against you. You only learn who you are when the odds are unsurmountable because you're created to release the God of the impossible that the world may know it's always possible. But until you know who you are created in the developing of the intimate place, you cannot take on opposition and glorify God at the same time. There's got to be some resolve. There's got to be some resistance. All right, let's, let's, I got to hurry. No, I don't. I got plenty of time. <laughs> Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Everybody got wrote those down? Good. We're about to dive into these four words, and then we're going to go into abiding. The key to all of this. That's my boy over there. Perfect. He said, after you've suffered a while, calm down. After you've suffered a while, there's something happening. It's tremendous. It's going to be stupendous. That's a big word. <laughs> i got to pull up that, that where they send me words from the dictionary once a day so I can learn new stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. Perfect. To repair, to mend, and to complete thoroughly. Do you feel like right now in your life, there's areas of your life you're doing all right in? Like you got it, it's settled. But do you feel like there's areas of like it's a repetitive brokenness? 
Like, it just seems to never, it's like a wound that never gets healed. It's just, did you know that that thing can only get purified and completely healed and mended through resistance? Like, it's just a wound. If not, we live with these wounds because every time resistance comes, we back out. But in the resistance, in the opposition, he's actually going to totally mend and complete who you are. He's going to go back and get old wounds and, and heal them all up. And they're going to be beautiful and they're going to bring glory to God. But they're only done in resistance. you got to stay put. you got to stay settled. And, and like he said in the very beginning, resist him steadfast. You've got to settle in your mind that I know God will come through. That, can I tell you that sometimes that's the only thing I've carried into opposition is that I know he absolutely won't fail me. That's all I've got. I don't have some magical prophetic word, which those are beautiful when you got them. And there's been seasons in my life that I couldn't just pick out the best scripture that had resolved me. I wasn't in worship getting all these butterflies. But there was just a moment where I said, I, I know. I just know. He won't fail me. So I'm going to keep praying for the sick. I'm going to keep doing the works of the kingdom. I'm not going to dismantle my character I'm not going to lose the attributes of God I'm going to stay faithful because he's faithful and it brings breakthrough establish means to set fast and to turn resolutely in a certain direction and then confirm it I've, it's, it's one of the things you hear the most in this, I just don't know where God's taking me like I don't know his will for my life you're searching that out you're wanting to find that direction Direction is found in the opposition. If you'll stay steadfast, he's actually going to turn you in the absolute right direction. And then he's going to lock it in so you ain't got to do this again. There will be more opposition, but you won't have to revisit while you're on the planet. Six months, you won't have to seek the will of God again. He's going to turn you and lock it in, and he's going to confirm it. You won't have to tell people, God heals. You'll display it. He'll turn you in the right direction, and he'll confirm it. Establish, to set fast, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Strengthen, confirm in spiritual knowledge and power. No explanation. Settle, this is my favorite. To lay a basis for, to lay your final foundation. My final foundation. Resistance brings the final cornerstone to your life. That you won't have to rethink it ever again. And, and, and you need to know this. Because when disappointment comes, if you haven't learned these things in the opposition, it will loop back around. And then i got to learn God's a healer all over again. And then i got to learn He'll provide for me. And then i got to go all through these foundational truths. And then oh, I get on my high resistance and I come back around. What happens when you just finally get it established in your life through the resistance that this is my foundation and I just, it's there. I want you to turn over to John chapter 15. Everybody all right? Good. It's funny pastors ask that like it was going to matter. Like I was going to shut it down if you weren't. Just kidding, I was totally aware. <laughs> I love y'all. John chapter 15, we're going to go 7 through 10. I love this. This is uh, 14, 15, 16, my favorite chapters. 
uh, in the whole Bible. I, man, I just stay in these chapters. I love them so much. It reveals the nature of God. But I, I want to teach you something about what we just talked about. How you can, can, can finally receive those four things at the end of 1 Peter chapter 5. How, where he'll settle you. He'll, he'll get your mind right. He'll, get, he'll set your foundation. When he wants to do all of these things, I want to teach you how. How you can do that in total opposition. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love. The solution is abiding. But let's check out what he says, how you abide. If you keep my commandments, if you are obedient, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. The beauty of this scripture is teaching us what our character should constantly ooze. Everything we do should be out of love. My word should abide in you, and you abide in my word, and keeping my word, you will abide in my love. If you're obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you'll actually be in an abiding of love. You'll actually stay rooted in love. It's funny because a lot of times in Christianity that I've been noticing a lot lately. Uh, I, I'm a very observant person. Sometimes my wife has to snap at me when we go out to eat because I just get locked in on people. Like I love to watch people. I like to notice things. I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I, I just love to see people, who they are, their story. I love that about people. But one thing I've been discovering a lot in our community in our community. I've, uh, the other day, I went into uh, one of our stores here in town. And when I did, there was a group of men standing there. And they were talking about politics. And when they were talking about politics, they were saying things about some other people with a different political view than them of a different political race, calling them morons and idiots. And all of them do leadership in churches in our community. I believe I'm doing God a justice. But all God hears is. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've got his principle, but we don't have his heart. So we've stopped abiding in love. We believe we're championing things for God when we've lost his nature because we didn't stay put in obedience. We are wanting the things of God. We're wanting a supernatural culture. It's funny how quick people want to abide when the water gets hot. When my wife gets sick, my child gets sick, then I want to abide. Then I want to call out to God. Then I want him to come and intervene on my behalf. But he's saying, if you'll just live in the abide, that's your inheritance. You don't have to come beg me for it. You can see somebody else's sick kid and go pray for them. You don't have to try to abide in the moment of pressure. He called you to stay put in love. How do you stay put in love? Obey. Obey the word of God. Obey the communion of the Holy Spirit. Know that you are in direct 
obedience with what the Holy Spirit is speaking. How do you do that? Develop relationship. Stay in communion. Stay in the seated place. Stay in intimacy. Make this thing a priority. I can tell you one thing. You will never have a supernatural kingdom flowing out of you if you do not make love a priority. God did not operate. Jesus did not operate out of love. Can I tell you, we were never created to be silent on abortion. We were never created to be silent on homosexuality. But I can tell you one thing. If you are going after people to destroy people because there's sin in their life, you've missed the will of God. You think you're doing a Facebook rant and all God hears is... We think we're championing the kingdom and God is annoyed by the sound of his children that don't know how to abide in love. I don't care how right you think you are. If you ever go after a person instead of the darkness, then you in God's eyes. We go pray, but we're complaining and all God hears is. God created us to exuberate the love of God. That in opposition, I can stay in pure love. That my motives are for people. You're on this planet for one reason, and that's to affect others. That they would see the love of God in you. You're not here to build a job. You're not here to build a career. You're not here to build your kingdom. You're here for one reason. He said, we are ministers of reconciliation. Abide. I've had all I can handle of believers that have hatred in our heart. We'll bash people. We'll, We'll go after people with hatred. We'll have lust in their heart, but then champion against abortion and homosexuality like you're doing God a justice. Can you imagine if this word is actually the truth that it is and God takes lust as serious as you think he takes abortion? God takes abortion seriously. It's wrong. It's demonic, but so is lust. So is pride. So is lying. If you want to be a man or woman of character, you have to take the totality of Christ serious. It is not true character. It is actually lukewarm. You're burning hot about politically correct issues in the South. We've chosen to be politically correct instead of spiritually pure. So therefore, we are hot. We're burning hot on all the issues that everybody around us practically agrees with, but we're not hot on the very fact that there's a man in leadership committing adultery or lust burning in their heart or watching images they don't need to be watching. We take some things burning hot serious, but we're pouring cold water into the same tank. Jesus called it lukewarm. Jesus took abortion just as serious as he takes lust. He took lust and abortion just as serious as he takes compromise. You want to be a man or woman of character that can actually see the full totality of your inheritance produced in your life that the world around you may find breakthrough, then you better get serious about the things God's serious about. We cannot pick out the things that make me seem politically correct and and, 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 in a civilized manner. I'm acceptable to the world because I get on Facebook and rant about abortion or homosexuality the whole time I'm pulling up pornography in the quiet place. God takes them all just as serious. Hatred, unforgiveness. 
We walk around with people that did things to us years ago, years ago, and hold their, their entire, uh, who they are. We have got their identity locked in a cage because of something they did for us. All the while, Jesus is just as adamant about unforgiveness as you believe he is abortion or homosexuality. I am fully against both. But I'm not against the person that's caught in homosexuality because it's a sin. It's a darkness. It's not their full potential. It's not their destiny. I'm not mad at them. I want them free. But we do not operate and live in love because our character has not stayed seated long enough. Resistance has done nothing in our life. So resistance is just resistance. It's just pain. It's not potential. It's not creating in us all that God has called us to be. So it's just pain. It's just resistance. When God said, I need a people that I can trust with the glory. God doesn't trust people who have not allowed him to take their full character. It is our inheritance. We cannot make this thing happen. I can't do enough good work to receive it. It's only through Christ Jesus, but we are doing things that are defiling the way the world sees God. Because people that may be caught in homosexuality or the woman that had the abortion, maybe, yeah, it's not right, but we're containing them to a prison because we think we make them believe God hates those, but I can cheat on my wife. God hates those, and, 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 but, but that guy's got unforgiveness in his heart. He's mean. He's got a bad attitude. All the while, I'm making people believe this is the God I serve. He's really adamant about these topics, but he don't really care about that. So you can live with unforgiveness and hatred, but as long as you're not for abortion or voting for abortion or voting for those who vote for homosexuality, then you're doing good. You're doing God your service. Man. I know you're looking at me crazy, but I, I, I know the Word of God. I know it. I, I didn't think this up this morning when I got ready just to gripe because I was aggravated. I buried myself in the Word of God. I, I, I'm not to toot my own horn, but I love Jesus. I've submitted to Him, so I make sure to govern my heart well. So when I heard all those conversations, I didn't immediately go, let me write out a sermon to get mad at everybody. No, I buried myself in Jesus to make sure I had the love of God in my heart because I may be talking with an intensity, but it's because I'm in love with every individual I meet, and for you to be possessed by your own opinion robs you of a destiny with God. I don't want to see people's destiny die because you're opinionated. I want you to live in spiritual purity so that you can be the one, that you don't have to call somebody when your baby's burning up with fever. God wants to heal your baby. Don't get me wrong, but he needs somebody that has character he can release healing through. Because if he releases character, I mean healing through you, then the world will get an idea that God believes and whatever you want to do, promotes your character. When you're living in unforgiveness, hatred. We here, and I speak for all of leadership here, we here are hungry for the supernatural. We're so hungry that we took all of our character and laid it at the altar. And as God highlights things, we remove them. It's a process. We're getting it right. I ain't got it all right. Let me tell you. I don't have it all right. I'm learning day by day. But I haven't grouped off pieces of my character to be, God, you can deal with this, but you cannot deal with that. 
I believe there's some of you that are actually hungry for the more. And I want resistance to do its good work for you. Resistance builds character, but if you stop abiding in love, it is devoid the process. That's the only requirement God has of us in the midst of opposition. Steadfast. Stay steady. Stay steady. It's so crazy to me. I hate... I don't... No, let's don't say that. Uh, I don't like rants. I don't think they do a bit of good. If you feel convicted to rant, rant on. But I have seen more breakthrough with people caught in depression than your rant would ever do. I've seen more people healed from depression, demonic works, in a grocery store because I'm aware of the love of God than you'll ever see with your hateful rant on a Facebook page. If you truly understand who God created you to be, it would be an injustice for the totality of your Christianity to be a rant. You will understand that you don't ever have to rant about anything again. You carry power. Can I tell you, love is powerful. It's not timid, and it doesn't submit to the works of the enemy. Because I live in love doesn't mean I'm scared to talk about abortion. But I stay in love when I talk about abortion. I don't shy away from sexuality that's wrong in the eyes of God. And I'm not just talking about one way. I'm talking about always lust, impure, impure thoughts, looking at impure images. God said he's judging your heart. You may be judging someone in a sin you think is really obvious. All the while you are harboring things in your heart that God calls the same exact sin as what you think is obvious. Because we haven't submitted. We haven't stayed put. Let God weed these things out. But you've got to understand, love is powerful. Love is extremely powerful. Jesus never operated outside of love. Timidity. What I mean by that is he was merciful. He was graceful when he approached people. He didn't come out of them in anger. You know what made him angry? Religious people. He lived in constant love. He dealt with politics in constant love. He dealt with the issues of the hour with constant love. If you understand you have power and authority to actually affect people that are hurting, you'll stop going after them. We've, we've just gone after hunts for people, after certain political parties. Certain politicians. My gosh, I've gotten to where now I just have gotten off of everything because 2020 is coming up and there's a presidential race coming up. And can I tell you, I pray about who I'm going to vote for. I pray about it. I'm not, I'm not a man ignorant to what's going on in the world. But a lot of times when people try to provoke me to get a conversation out of them, I play dumb because I understand where this conversation is going. I can tell when your heart's not rooted in love and this ain't going to do a bit of good. I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb to the things that are going on in our world. I'm not dumb to politicians, politics. But I'm so aware of the Spirit of God, I refuse for you to get me to talk about someone in a way God isn't. I refuse. I will not stamp a void stamp on my character because you think a certain way about a certain politician. But did you know that... Uh, 
Todd White, one of my favorite men of faith, was telling a story about a woman that come to one of his services. And she got so fired up, she wanted to see abortion done away with in her town. Can I tell you, she didn't go get picket signs and go picket at the local abortion clinic. You know what she did? She took a group of people and got in the edge of the parking lot of the abortion clinic. And every day for 21 days, they went out there and prayed that God would come reveal to the people and leadership in that abortion clinic that they would find their identity and God would close the door. They weren't hateful. They didn't go after the people. They didn't do harassing things. They prayed. They prayed because you're powerful when you pray, when you're convinced of who you are. And at the end of 21 days, the security guard walked out there to their circle and said, I don't know what you're doing. But they found out we were doing things illegally and they're shutting this clinic down. The guy who owned it owned four more. All four of them shut down in their area. It wasn't done by a picket sign or an angry rant. It was done by powerful people that stay in love. I have had, I'm sorry if I seem a little tense, but the, the straw broke the camel's back. I will not be silent any longer as believers cut people down and are doing nothing to build the kingdom. Your rant, your anger, your hatred is doing nothing for our community. Until you figure out that power is only released in love, you'll do nothing. We'll be observist at best. We'll observe the darkness. It's like if I call, my, my computer gets a virus and I call somebody up at a tech group and say, will you come fix my computer? They come get in my computer and be like, man, you got this virus, you got this virus, you need to do this. All right, man, we'll see you later. You're going to fix it? No, I just diagnose it. What good did you do? My computer's still broke. My community's still hurting. There's still people sick. We've become diagnosis. I was like, I don't know. Worked in my head. Sounded really good up here before that dude came out. <laughs> Story of my life, huh? I want to, I, I tell this to youth all the time and, and young people that want to be around us and do things with us. I'm not about people that have it all together. I just want people that are hungry for purity. People that are just hungry for God and are so hungry they'll overlook themselves. It's funny because uh, me and him, me and Josh could tell you stories on end of the messy situations we get in. But boy, we got some youth and we got some young men coming up that are fired up about the kingdom. It's okay, I'll deal with messy. God will deal with messy. But he will not deal with absolute compromise. Scott, you want to come play? I love everybody in this building. So much love. I have so much love for that group of men I heard talking in that store. Love. I hope the message of the true gospel of Jesus gets to this entire community. That churches would be filled with the gospel that I'm no longer a politician, but I'm a believer that lives in power. Can I tell you, you were created to shift the situation. That's why you feel the way you do. But you have settled for a lesser gospel that you can't do anything about the darkness. Until you become resolved within yourself to abide, to stay in true character. That I won't pick out the things that are sins that I don't like, but I'll keep the ones that I believe I'm okay with. A people of character. A people that make a difference. A people that can see somebody in sickness 
and go take care of business. When Jesus got ready to send out the disciples, he said, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out, cast out demons, and, and cleanse lepers. A little bit different order. He said, I give you the Holy Spirit. Now I need you to go do this. Because this is what I created you for. But can I tell you when your character is flawed, and let me tell you, my character is not perfect. It's a process. But if you do not submit to the process that God may purify your character, you're not even on the journey. Man, I may be at the very, I may be right over the starting line, but I'm on it. I, man, I, I get stuff wrong. I mess it up. I, and you know, as crazy as I got a young man that's been with me and my wife for a little bit now, and uh, we're just teaching him and pouring into him, and we've just had to deal with some messy situations. And when he did, I, you know, I tell him every time, I, I'm not scared of the messy. I said, but men of God, when they mess up, they go make it right. We don't have to get it right every time. But when we get it wrong, we make it right. So it's not about how perfect you can be. It's about submitting to the character of God. And I promise you, when you get it wrong, He'll let you know. And then He gives you the power and authority to make it right. But I firmly believe as a body, not only as a corporate setting, but you individually, I believe with all of my heart today is an opportunity for you to step into a supernatural life. I believe it's been available to you this whole time. It's nothing new. But because of our character not being laid at the altar that God may do the work He wills to do, we haven't got to see the fullness of it. So I want you to take this very individually. And understand any level of breakthrough you've ever seen a man of God stand on this platform and speak about, it's not because of who they are. You have the same potential. You got the same power within you. Jesus said, if you abide in my love, me and my Father will come and make our home inside of you. He was literally saying everything pertaining to life and godliness already exists within you. But now it's time to submit our character that God may use us to be all that we were called to be. This is the season. It's the days are over of weak Christianity that can do nothing about the impossible. Those days are over. God has been waiting for a people that will step into the impossible that God may make it possible and that the world around us would truly know He is God. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.